Hello and welcome. You are listening to Gay with God, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Are we still searching? The stories you hear in this podcast will melt your heart and can strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible. And you can be authentically gay with God. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Gay with God. Thanks so much for showing up every week and doing all the things that you do, like following the show and sharing and and giving reviews. That's really important, and we thank you very, very much. So my guest today is DJ. And DJ says that just like many people here at the Gay With God podcast, um, she has a story about being hurt by the church too. She doesn't think her story is so different. And the bottom line, she says, is that the church rejected her. It hurt, but DJ was able to make a realization that the church hurt her, not God, and began a spiritual journey considering herself now as a Zen Christian. In 2020, DJ went through the dark night of the soul and came out of the shadows knowing that she had a mission to love and serve her fellow beings. She makes plant medicine, herbal skincare products, and low intervention wine. I can't wait to hear more about that. I teach and preach that we are to love each other, forgive each other, and not judge each other. I strive to walk and live by the examples he set for us. So DJ, welcome to the Gay With God show. I really appreciate that you're here. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. So, so tell us your story. We'll get to the wine, but um, tell us your story. <laughs> the wine is much more interesting. <laughs> um, no, um, it, you, you mentioned earlier about like, when did I know I was gay? Well, mm-hmm. after the fact, I realized I was gay long before I knew I was gay. Cause I can think back to, to second grade, having a crush on my teacher because she was very pretty. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, and even younger, you know, playing with the other kids. If we played house, I wanted to be the daddy. You know, I just uh, it just was very natural and, and just part of who I was. And, you know, in fifth grade, I was holding hands with some girl and some older girls. It might have even been fifth grade. It might have been third or fourth grade. But some older girls on the bus were like, do you know what a lesbian is? Go home and ask your mom what a lesbian is. Yeah, oh my I know. God. And so when my mom was like, well, um, you know, it's when a, a, a woman loves another woman. I'm like, and I, I didn't, I didn't get it, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, so, uh, you know, and then as I got, you know, older and, and started having my first relationships, I thought it was just me. I thought, you know, I was born wrong. Cause I grew up hearing that girls don't do that. You know, you can't do that because you're a girl. You can't have uh-huh. a BB gun because you're a girl. He gets to have one because he's a boy, uh. you know, and uh, and the fact that I liked girls and I liked kissing girls and stuff like that, I thought, yeah, there's a mistake. And I recall standing in front of the mirror uh, one time um, when I was young and, and my mom going by and I was like at, just out of the shower or something. And I said, you know, there was a mistake. I should have been a boy. I mean, look at how I'm built. And I like boy things. And I like to do boy, do boy stuff. And mom says, don't talk like that. God, don't make mistakes. And that was it. That was the end of the conversation. So uh, long story short, though, I came to realize that she was right. God doesn't make mistakes. I'm born exactly how I was supposed to be born. I've come to embrace myself as a masculine woman. It's society makes us feel wrong. Yes. Nothing wrong with being a masculine woman or a feminine mm-hmm. man. You know, if we would let the kids just be who they are and not go the other way, because I know some people who, you know, have little children, they're allowing to not allowing, they're giving them hormones and things because, oh, well, he wants to be a girl. He's seven. Yeah. You know, just let him be feminine. It doesn't mean he has to be a girl or wants to be a girl. They're still committing the same offense from the other side. They just don't get it. There's one of those rabbit holes. That's interesting. No, but it's interesting and it does flow. And thank you for going there. But that's a very good insight that that if a child expresses they want to be something, there is time for that to evolve. And and doing it at seven may not be the time that they have to do it. So I understand I understand that people 
I understand that people go 360. So if I'm going to go some go somewhere, I may go all the way to this side instead of just mm-hmm. a little bit to that side. And and people try to embrace their kids now because it has been such a negative thing that now they overcompensate sometimes, I think, to make that happen. That's right. Let let your children just be. And yeah. if he wants to play with dolls and wear dresses, and even if he wants to be called she, that's fine. Yeah, that doesn't mean you need to go running out and transition a seven year old, you know, because just the fact of saying they need to transition is saying boys don't act like this. Girls Mm -hmm. don't act like this. You were born wrong Mm -hmm. and nobody's born wrong. And I'm not saying there's not transgender and intersex people because I've been smacked down about that. That Mm -hmm. does happen. But yes. it doesn't mean that every woman who, little girl who is masculine and wants BB guns, or every little boy who's feminine or wants to be feminine, is, is medically and psychologically needing gender re-identification, right? Uh-huh. right. They just need to be, just let them be, yeah. you know? And if there's intersex issues or things like that, it'll come out later. But when I got to be an adult and I was in a community where I was accepted just as I was, unshaven, masculine. I was one of the guys. I got to go play poker in the garage, you know? Um, And I realized that I was okay, just like I was. I didn't need to change anything to be who I am, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm glad that I I didn't have that opportunity. And I've heard stories, you know, of people who've done it and then later in life kind of regretted it. Yeah. If I was 18 years old right now, I'd probably go with the pressure and stuff. But that doesn't mean it's right. It just means that society puts that on us, that you're born wrong. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't. No, so. you weren't born wrong. And I'm glad I'm glad that that it's open enough now for people to make the choices when the choices are right for them. And I like what you're saying, that if it's not right for you to do, you know, gender reassignment surgeries, then yeah, don't. If somebody is aching inside and they can't stand what they're you know, made with, it's not that they're made wrong, but they still get to choose. <clears throat> I have to, and I need to reflect to, though. Am I yes. feeling like I'm made wrong because external forces are telling me I'm wrong? Right. 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 Because yeah. even within the, the butch community, the young butch community, mm-hmm. if someone's presenting as really masculine, they're getting pressured by other trans bushes that, oh, you need to transition. It's great. Uh, you know, uh-huh. you, know it, you know, you're still succumbing to the whole external forces telling you that you were born wrong. Yeah. Instead of that, it's, it's OK to just be who you are. Yeah. You know, so even within our own society, we're putting these these pressures on. Yeah. And so bringing it back around to Christianity, you know, I questioned God, why did you make me this way? Mm -hmm. How can this be wrong? They're telling me it's wrong to be gay, but this is everything that comes natural to me. How can this be wrong? How can love be wrong when I love somebody else? And I was very, very conflicted by that, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, my first, you know, experiences having a girlfriend, of course, was another girl in the youth group. And when, and when, you know, whispers got around to the preacher, of what people saw or suspected. He called in her mother and then they brought her in and they all had their talk or whichever. And then her mom just forbid her to ever see me again, whatever. He never once called in my family or me, you know, and, um, and that's when all the persecution began, you know, uh, church wise and, and, you know, her mom separating us and all of that. So, you know, my own, preacher couldn't, couldn't talk to me. And then, you know, later in life, other circumstances where the church rejected me for who I am. And even, you know, I had a, a time where I went back to the church and it's been a few years trying to live as a, a, you know, regular straight, trying to be feminine and all of this kind of stuff, because I wanted to please my God. I felt such a mm-hmm. longing in my heart to be one with my God and please him. And, um, when I started struggling again, and I'm going to my pastor and saying, I'm struggling. I need help. You know, he's like, well, you know, you can't be in the choir and you can't work with the group, the youth group anymore. And you can't do any of this until you figure this out. Like, why are you leaving me to figure this out? I need help. You know, send me to seminary, send me away. I mean, I would have, I would have practically begged for one of those, uh, pray the gay away groups or whatever back then because I was trying so hard to stand Mm -hmm. in my Christianity and the church completely just shut the door. Mm. when I was begging for it mm-hmm. and uh yeah that hurt you know because mm-hmm. I was very 
very active. And, and I was part of the praise and worship team and everything and just completely shut out. Wow. So I went through my time of, of being mad at God and uh-huh. anybody talking about church, just thinking, yeah, they're all a bunch of fucking liars, hypocrites, uh-huh. you know, but then, um, you know, when God started calling me in my heart, it was strong. And, uh-huh. um, so I went down the spiritual path, avoiding religion, yeah. down the spiritual path of seeking, like a lot of people have done. And a lot of people are doing, cause there's a huge movement uh-huh. of spirit going on right now. Uh-huh. Just when you have this podcast and, you know, um, I was seeking down, uh, I mentioned, uh, Wayne Dyer, uh-huh. uh, Wayne Dyer's got some really good stuff. Uh-huh. And, um, and, uh, he talked about the Hay group and I just started following those lines and the Dalai Lama, Desmond Tutu, Adyashante, wonderful books. Um, put the links on there that, that I gave you about, um, uh-huh. the book of joy really teaches you how to be and, and, mm-hmm. and let other people be. And that way you don't lose your joy for what other people are doing. Um, and then falling into grace, those, those things really greatly affected me mm-hmm. on a deep spiritual level. Um, and so I'm seeking and I start looking into, you know, opening my third eye and doing all this intense meditation and looking at the crystals. And I'm not saying any of this is wrong by any means, mm-hmm. but I was looking into some places that I wasn't I'm not comfortable with Abraham Hicks. I think there's way too many people in there. Just my opinion. <laughs> um, and and uh, I'm not a big fan of Eckhart Tolle. I'm not a big fan uh, of anybody who teaches you that all the divinity you need is in yourself. Hmm. You know, yes, God's spirit is in us, but I am not God. But I was looking down those paths because I was seeking. And one day as I was meditating, it was almost like, God hitting me on the head. I mean, I, I'm not one that hears the voice of God, but if ever I heard it, it was then. In the end times, there will be many false prophets. Mm. And it went through me. It went through me like a, a, a hot flash to my very core. And I realized that some of these ways and some of these teachings and some of this stuff that's out there that's trying to reach the people who are seeking are false, false prophets who are either just trying to get your money they're trying to get your soul, you know, because we all, not we all, trying to change my way of talking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to think that the objective of evil is to be evil, you know, to be mm-hmm. scary, right? Mm-hmm. To to kill you, to eat your head, to, you know, eat your soul or whichever, making a soul pact with the devil or what. But the bottom line is, is that devil and those forces objective is to separate us from God Mm. in any way they can. And if separating us from God means they make us lead us down a path where we feel holy and we feel complete and we feel spiritual and pious, and we are so full of light and love that we don't need God, they've achieved. They don't need darkness. They can mislead us with light. There's a lot of people who are following this path because it makes them feel powerful. Oh, look at all these words and readings I'm being given for people and how helpful I'm being. And, and they actually, you know, they're, they're being helpful, but in also in a sense, they're feeling powerful that they have this ability to be helpful, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that entity is good. Mm. If it's separating you from God and needing God, then, then it's not right because everything should lead you to God. I think sometimes we take a a very long curve and i know that i did the same thing i mean when i when i was wounded by the church and the things that happened happened i couldn't even say the word god i wasn't just mad at god which i was i was re- repulsed by the name of god and i felt angrier when i used it and because it was a it's the word that was equated with abomination and yeah. not good enough and i had already not felt good enough half my lifetime so you know i didn't need the word god to con- condemn me more in my mind and so i did the same thing i i was watching ellen DeGeneres' show one day and she had wayne dyer on and he was talking about doing the Tao Te ching and how mm-hmm. he had taken that ancient uh, text and he had written it down and then he did his explanation of it, which was good because my brain doesn't work 
that way. I I used to listen to it um, when I was driving or Uh I I couldn't sleep. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So on that particular day that she had him on and he was, he was talking about that book and, um, and he said, you know, this will change your life. You know, it will change your life because if you change your thoughts, you can change your life. And I thought, well, if there's ever a time that I need to change my thoughts, because that was another day and many days that I'd had that I thought suicide would be a better plan. And I thought, well, before that, (laughs) I'll read the stupid book. (laughs) (laughs) And so I read the book and I got, you know, I, I love I love Wayne Dyer and his passing hit me so hard. I, you would have thought he was my family member. I was just devastated that his words would no longer be uh, new words that we still have his words, but they wouldn't be Mm -hmm. new words. So I, you know, I did a lot of Wayne Dyer. Um, People did talk to me about Abraham Hicks and I didn't, I was doing so many new things, meditation, yoga. I was doing a lot of those. You and I were right, you know, on parallel paths there. Um, and learning about chakras and the third eye and all that kind of um, thing. And, and I embrace that part because it's still relevant for me. I combine what I learned about silence because I do believe that God comes to me in silence. I use the, the understanding that there is wisdom out there all around us and that God can use anyone and anything at any time to speak to me. Um, And so Sorry about all that, (laughs) but I do believe that, um, that it's like a curve that we, those of us who really do search for God's voice in us and search for our meaning, we sometimes have to go away from it and then find our journey back to it for it to really mean something to us. If you've always Mm -hmm. had it and you know how to say all the right scriptures and you know how to pray all the these and those, and you can do the thing, you can do the dogma. That's not a relationship. That is the dogma. And, you know, even in the Episcopal church that I'm now a proud member of, uh, there's a lot of liturgy. There's a lot of readings and there's um, formality is what I would call it, which I didn't have growing up in my church, but there's also a deep sense of quiet and resting in between things like listening and really participating inwardly about what's going on. And I loved, I loved all of that, but I wouldn't have never done that. I would have never have gone back to a church and especially a church that was so formal without meeting the priest and hearing him talk to me as if I was already God's beloved and that nothing would have to change. I didn't have to give up anything about how I felt spiritual or what I was doing to keep myself on the planet. All of that is used by God. And, and so being able to reclaim that word God without feeling like I was going to, you know, go into a rage or, (laughs) you know, hit somebody, um, that's been the journey I've been on. That's why I named it this, you know, some people have an aversion to the word God and and hate that I call it this gay with God, but that was my almost like banner that I was waving that I can now say the word God. And that's like a victory for me to be able to even use the word. So, um, you know, it's, I think it is a journey and I think that there are dark, dark spirits. I think that there are people that are taking our money with no pure intention. And Mm -hmm. I believe that people can get turned around by lots of things. Mm -hmm. Um, even religion. I mean, look at how squirrely, you know, the far right religious people are and you know, that that's, they may believe that they're standing in the word of God, but if you're, if your God is condemning me, I'm not so sure about that. Well, you know, um, I have a Friday morning zoom group that I feel very privileged to be part of because everybody else like preachers and pastors and all of that. And I'm just <laughs> me, yeah, you know, you. and, uh, and, and where that stems from is uh, there's a, a group called Presbyterian pilgrimage, which isn't necessarily Presbyterian and it's not necessarily a pilgrimage, but, <laughs> but, but without all that, group, they do these like little four day weekend retreats that are just phenomenal. And when I was, you know, in my first parts of seeking, and I was still with my ex and I was feeling such a strong spiritual calling and I was telling her about, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. she was, she's Christian spiritual too. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I signed up for this Presbyterian pilgrimage and this was the first somewhat religious based retreat kind of thing that I had been on since being hurt back then. And I didn't know what to expect. 
And I'm feeling really kind of timid about coming onto this thing, you know, mm-hmm. because, how, you know, yeah. Presbyterian pilgrimage, mm-hmm. right? But I went thinking, I'm going to go God and be who I am and, and let you do your thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, in that four days, I've never felt so loved Aww. by a group of Christians who didn't even know me, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and then there was another, there was a, a big old gay drag queen guy who was there and he got <laughs> the same treatment, you know, and it was mm-hmm. just everything that mm-hmm. Christ is teaching that we should be as Christians for each yes. other. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I was still looking forward to continuing now and serving for that group. Cause you do your mm-hmm. retreat and then you go back, then and you start working other retreats to share that mm-hmm. love that the other people coming in. Mm-hmm. Very excited about that and about doing it with my partner. You know, the plan was the, that she would go to the May retreat. I did mine in February. She was going to do the May retreat. And then October we would serve together and it would be such a beautiful thing. We had such a beautiful ministry together mm-hmm. and then COVID, you know, oh. pulls the plug on everything. Mm-hmm. So this, uh, they have, after you do your retreat, they do reunion groups so that you meet once a week just for support. And it's not even necessarily religious talk. These guys get together and talk sports and politics and stuff sometimes. Okay. So you were talking about the aversion to the word God, right? Which a lot of your spiritual leaders and teachers and speakers and podcast people, you know, they're all afraid to use the word God, much less the word Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and that's why I was I didn't like that when I was seeking a church, I didn't like the Unitarian church because it's like. Damn, if they'll ever say the name Jesus from the pulpit, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I have found some that do, but I wanted a Christ based mm-hmm. another segue. Anyway, in the group <laughs> they were talking about, there has risen up a group called Concerned Moravians because some of these guys are actually in the Moravian church and um, because see, it's not necessarily Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Moravians and there's Methodists and there's people like me who, you know, I don't play or aspire to anything. But anyway, uh, so concerned Moravians. And where I'm going is for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. And there's this huge wave of the Spirit of God working in people like us who've been hurt mm-hmm. or in people who grew up never knowing anything mm-hmm. about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He's reaching out to them. This is today's Gentiles, people. You know, we all get caught Mm -hmm. up on biblical Jews and Gentiles and the Great Commission. And when the Spirit of God is preached throughout the world and the the good news of Jesus, and we're all thinking about, okay, so when everyone in Africa knows about Jesus, then the rapture's coming, right? But no, we've got a whole new wave of Gentiles. There's there's people living next door to you who do not know the story of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That is our Great Commission, right? Mm -hmm. So this big, huge move and calling is coming on. There's, ironically, almost biblically, the whole sect of like Pharisees mm. who are rising up to fight against it. Uh-huh. We got to keep them gays out of the church. Yep. We need to keep the church pure. We can't have all these gays and new agers out there talking about Jesus. We got Jesus. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. So for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And that applies to spiritual levels too. So there are groups rising up to push against the very thing that, that God is working towards. Cause you talked about the Christians yeah. writing back. That's what brought yeah. that up. Yeah. So yes. And the, at the same time, I've also seen, hence your podcast being called gay with God, because so many people have an issue with saying the word God. Um, I'm mm-hmm. seeing that also. And I'll tell the story. If we don't have time today, we'll do it another time about my, mm-hmm. how I met um, Magali Mama Maja, who has her own thing. She's an astrologer who grew up not knowing anything about Jesus. She grew up a metaphysical thing that mm-hmm. thought Jesus was a fantasy. She'll say Santa Claus for adults. Jesus freaking appeared in her living room and said, hey, <laughs> and she gave her life to him. And the transformation has been amazing. I still get goosebumps when uh-huh. I talk about it. I know it's real. I can feel it, that mm-hmm. it's real. Mm-hmm. And so part of that was, are you going to talk about me in your YouTube videos? And Mm -hmm. she's packing Jesus on everything she does. Jesus, Holy Spirit, because he wants us to say his name. Mm -hmm. His name is more powerful than any other name. And people can be like, well, you don't have to believe in Jesus. Blah blah blah. blah. You say the name Jesus and you say the name Buddha. It feels different. You can Mm -hmm. feel it's different, you know, and I'm not disparaging Buddha. You know, I I, I believe in a lot of the Buddhist stuff, you know, the teachings Mm -hmm. of Christ. 
the teachings of Buddha are very parallel. And as far as who taught who, what, who's to know, Jesus has been here since the day of creation. You, you know? know, I think because when I was doing a lot of that work with the Tao and Lao Tzu, who, who predates Jesus, Mm-hmm. has the same philosophy and the same message. And mm-hmm. then here comes Jesus. I don't think he copied Lao Tzu. I think God continues to bring a spiritual teacher saying the same message in a different way to capture everyone. Well, not capture like bad capture, but you know, we're going to capture you. And we're going to put you in a net. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like how people think gay people do it, that we, you know, we capture you. Um, it's not like that. But, you know, I do believe that we continue to be given spiritual teachers that we can listen to and follow. But it's just like with all the other calamity that comes that lets us have a spiritual uprising like Katrina and Mm -hmm. this pandemic, all these things that come out of the blue, it seems like, and wipes out a bunch of people. But that right after that, I had a friend that said, I never want September 11th to happen again ever, ever again. But I would love to have another September 12th because on September 12th, we were coming together as communities. We were raising our flags. We were helping each other. We were caring about people. We were taking in people who needed homes. She said, September well, 12th is awesome. September 12th is going on and it's, it's a lot more days than one. Yes. Because that's what this movement is. You yes. know, this whole spiritual, not religious movement, mm-hmm. right? And it's been going on for almost a year now mm. longer than a year now actually yeah you know yeah. and something happened whether you want to talk about it being astrologically or whatever mm. something happened in august 2020 yeah because you'll hear people telling their stories and they'll say my ex left me in august of 2020 my partner died in august of 2020 i had this blah 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 experience that sent me into a dark hole in august of 2020 wow she just appeared to magali in August of 2020, huh. something happened and there's movement has been rolling. And, you know, I'm not saying there wasn't anything before that because, yeah. you know, I honestly feel like a, a great deal of my mission started in February, 2020 yes. at that, you know, yep. mm-hmm. uh, you know, I started changing, God started calling me and changing my mind in 2017. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, yeah, you know, we all get there September 12th has happened in every day. Yeah. That's why we're having this conversation now. Yeah, that's right. And it's timely. It's very timely because we're not done. We're far from done and we can't wait. And that's the other thing. I have a, a, a beautiful Jewish friend who I love to listen to. He also has a podcast called the Jew and the Gentile walk into a bar mitzvah. And it is awesome it is that so sounds awesome. hilarious I it's, want to link to that. uh there's like bourbon and cigars and then there's like um a you know a topic <laughs> Other than, so they start out with their bourbon and and give critiques on the cigars that they're smoking that they love and then they talk um but anyway um he said one time that you know it's he says you know when you when you do the prayer and you pray you know thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven he said people think that heaven is coming to you he said what if you are already here and you're supposed to be creating the heaven for jesus to return to so it's our work that we have to do down here. We can't just wait to be the chosen ones to be called up. I think we really need to be working here on earth to make it like heaven. And I don't know for sure, because who knows when I was four, I asked my grandfather, who was a minister who made God, he said, go to bed. (laughs) We don't have all the answers, (laughs) but I do believe that, that, the one answer I think we all could agree on is that love has to be the center because that's what Jesus was. You know, Jesus is love and compassion and bringing people together, not just a certain sect of people, but all people together to do the work of kindness and compassion. That's right. Yeah. Whatever you're going into, if it's not of love, you Mm -hmm. know, forget light. If it's not of love, Right. It's not a compassion. If it doesn't teach acceptance, yes. you know, uh, to me, namaste mm-hmm. is all about what Jesus is all about. That's right. The spirit in me honors, respects, loves the spirit in you. And, and whatever it is that you are into, and that's why 
I was saying earlier that I wasn't dissing, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, pistols and, yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. If that's yeah. what's working for you, if that's what draws you close to God. And not away from God. That's the difference. That's right. That's the and difference. So, you know, I can honor and respect, you, sure. you know, your different beliefs, whatever they might be. Just yeah. because it doesn't resonate with me doesn't mean it's wrong. Right. right? Right. And it's the same, just like with sexuality, just because you don't, you like boys and I don't, doesn't mean you're wrong, right? Just because you like to wear dresses and I don't, doesn't mean you're wrong. It just, we just don't God understand for it. women who wear, hey, thank God for women who wear dresses. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd be really lonely without it. <laughs> Here's that Scorpio. Uh, that, is that the Scorpio? Mars, Mars and Scorpio. So, yeah. So, so you mentioned that um, for the time being that you're spending lots more time with your mom. And yeah. I'm wondering back in the day when you, when you came, did you literally come out to her at some point or in, and how did she react to the news that her baby you know, girl? It's funny you bring that up because I have actually thought about, um, you might like to talk to her on here sometime to hear okay. her transformation okay. as the parent. Uh -huh. But when um, I came out in college, oh, I was called all kinds of terrible things. From your mom? Oh, my mom oh. called me Satan, child, demon, seed, uh, oh, all kinds no. of horrible things. And we went oh. through a few years of just, it's like she would cry and whine on the phone while I was in college about me coming home. But then when I was home, she treated me hatefully the whole time I was there. Oh. And, you know, but albeit, I was hard to love. I was hard to love. I was in full-on rebellion. I'm wearing, you know jean jackets and smoking cigarettes and running around partying with all my friends and coming in at two or three in the morning. So then I have this big family meeting where my brother and I are told, well, you know, well, you're in this house, you should be coming home early. And Joe, you know, you're still in high school, so you should be home by 11. And, and of course they use my birth name and I'll tell everybody, but it doesn't mean I want everybody calling me Donna. You should, uh, you, you need to be in here early. Okay. So I come walking in the next day at seven 30 in the morning. So is this earlier though? <laughs> so, you know, I was hard to love. And now that I'm a parent, I really understand what I put them through. Right. But, um, you know, we, we, we put all that out there and my, and mom had to deal with all of that, but then she went through time into her own transformation and came to the place of where, if you talk to her now, she'll say, no, I don't think people go to hell for being gay. Mm. And we have a wonderful relationship. Um, not that she doesn't get on my nerves or me on hers because that's mm -hmm. just part of it, right? Yeah, I think but, so. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for my mom and what she's gone through and how accepting she is now. Yeah. Or has been for the last 20 years or whatever. But I'll tell you, those first 10, 15 years were hard. How did you mend that that wound? Because being called, you know, demon seed and Satan child. I, I didn't. Oh. I didn't mend anything. The spirit did. Okay. You know? the love of, of Christ and love of family, you know, and we ignored it till it got better, like uh -huh. a bad rash. Don't, don't scratch. Don't scratch, don't scratch it. it. <laughs> just don't scratch it and it'll go away. It'll go away. <laughs> so there wasn't, so just to be clear, <laughs> it wasn't like you denied it, but you gave, you gave the, the ugliness time to, to be in a space of, of, coming together and transforming. So there's a difference between knowing when to scratch and when not to scratch. And, and you're right that scratching early on only makes it worse yeah. because they get more defended and more entrenched. And the thing yeah. that so many of us forget back then when we're first coming out is that we took a long time to transition ourselves. You know, there might've been denial for us, you know, not everybody goes through it, but I had 30 years of denial built up. So and then when I was ready to claim my authentic self, I had to, I had to remember, which I didn't, but I had to remember <laughs> that my parents were not ready for, mm -hmm. for me to just boom. And, and now you accept me, you know, so that time for them still has to incubate and still has to right. work. I mean, they just have to work through taking all of their images of what we were going to be out potentially and bring it in like, you know, I will never marry a man. You will never walk me down the aisle. Now you could have walked me down the aisle when I married my wife, but you know that you chose not to do that, but yeah. you could have, you know, you could have. Um, 
So we, we sometimes expect more, I think, out of our parents and our families than we expected out of ourselves. We didn't expect ourselves to know right away and to be cool with it. Some right. of us still carry the homophobia and some of us still carry, you know, the, the indecision and, and the fear that we could be wrong and still be going to hell. You know, yeah. so all of that takes time to, to move out. But I love, I love that part of what you did with your mom is to just leave it and let it be and let the right. spirit bring the love back to the family. Right. Now that's not saying that, you know, I didn't have some wounds that, yeah. or that I don't even still yeah. have wounds and shadows from that mm-hmm. back. We still have stuff that we're working through, but part of a lesson here in that, you know, cause some people will say, well, you can't just ignore a problem and it'll go away. Mm-hmm. But I think what the lesson here is in that is that we have to learn that I can't, fix her. She can't fix me. She had to go and learn her lesson. Yeah. And she had to do her growth and she had to go to her place. And I had to learn my lesson. I had to learn to still be her daughter Mm -hmm. and be who I am and stand in my truth and my Mm -hmm. authentic self Mm -hmm. and still be her daughter. And she had to learn that she can still be my mother, you know? And, you know, the other lesson is in letting go of those expectations of mm-hmm. who she wanted me to be mm-hmm. and um you know mm-hmm. and i have to deal with my wound of not meeting those expectations right right mm-hmm. because i think that's part for a, a lot of people is i've been a disappointment to my family mm-hmm. right and that's mm-hmm. a hard one and to come to think to the realization of well no we haven't you know but it doesn't mean that we don't still have that that voice oh, yeah Right? Oh yeah. We could just shut up these voices back here mm. in the back of our head. I know. You know. I know. I was saying that to somebody the other day that, you know, I would like to stop having any doubts of God's existence or stop having any doubts that I would go to hell. And that, you know, the part of me that, that is intellectual, you know, gets in the way of just allowing my heart to speak because yeah. intellectualizing Christ and God will never work because we just don't have enough science. May I use the word science? <laughs> we don't have enough science to, to figure out, okay, where does this big God that we all put our hope and dreams in? How did he get here? You know, I'm a, and I, I'm a, I know that four-year-old was, was just like so naive. Well, if my brother was just born and, and mommy <laughs> made Steve, then who made God? Right. <laughs> that was a very good question. <laughs> well, you know, so, um, if there's one of the many lessons that I've learned over this last year in my seeking is we have to get out of our head yeah. because my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And we cannot understand or comprehend God and yeah. his ways. Read the book of Job. Mm-hmm. And and at the end of the story, and we all know the story of Job, but it's so mm-hmm. untaught the end where God's talking to Job and saying, were you there when I created Leviathan? Do you even begin to understand how I put these stars in the sky? You have no way of even knowing mm-hmm. how I work or how I think. And when I come to questioning, I, and, and I have to leave it at that of, I, I have no way to understand God. No. I don't know why you're doing what you're doing. Right. You know, it, why did God take my child? Why did God destroy my life? Well, for one thing, I don't always think it's God. I but yeah. that kind of line of questioning is we don't know what God's going to do with these things and this mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, honestly, Midge, I don't know that anybody in our shoes ever totally loses that fear of what if I'm wrong and I'm going to go to hell. Yeah. Right. And that's sad. Lose that. mm-hmm. But you know what? There's things. And I, I, I run into this all the time. It's this new spirituality growth that I'm mm-hmm. walking that I walk of. And this is my friends probably tired of hearing me say this things bump up against my traditional teaching. Mm-hmm. And I have to think, okay, is this wrong? And that's why I've got a knot in my throat or is it just bumping up against my traditional teaching? And that's why I've got it not in my throat, right? It's like mm-hmm. eating venison. You know, I know that venison would be very healthy. It's very low fat. It would be a very healthy meat to eat meat, right? But I still get a knot in my throat when I think about eating it because Bambi. I know. 
right? And Bambi's all in my head, <laughs> you know? So sometimes we got to learn to overcome Bambi oh. and the whole fear of going to hell and, and what's at the end, you know, uh, it can be true or it could be Bambi. But you mm. know what? God, <laughs> if God can put the freaking stars in the sky, mm-hmm. if God can change us how he's changed, if Jesus Christ can show up in, in Magali's living room, mm-hmm. then don't you think if it's wrong to be gay and we're going to go to hell, God can change us all? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not choosing this. And 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 if people would just remember that all of us on some form or fashion probably tried to pray the gay away. And if we are praying with a sincere intent, God says that God will answer. And none of us for reals. <laughs> now, there's a, there's some there's some fakers out there that prayed and said they got changed. But I, I am for real, authentically gay. And I can promise you that every prayer that I offered with with bawling tears at the altar to to take me and make me worthy. And I didn't even know what I, I meant by that at the time because I didn't know I was gay. But I mm-hmm. knew that there was something, as you said, wrong with me or they're different about me. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. We pray, tried to pray the gay away when my wife, who I had met in graduate school, you know, we started getting really, really super close and we tried to pray her gay away. Well, mm-hmm. no, you can't yeah. pray the gay away. And so I'm kind of glad going back that you never did get into uh, the pray away conversion therapy because they would have squelched your your heart. That's for sure. Well, yeah. I, but my point is that I was open to it and I was seeking it. I know. Me out anyway. I know. See? So I think that was God's intervention right there. (laughs) Yeah. And also coming back around full circle to the first question of when did I know I was gay? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I never really understood what gay was and that there were gay people until probably my junior, senior year in high school. Uh You know, I didn't really realize that uh, was what it was. And even then, I still thought it was just me and that I should have been a boy. And I didn't get past that until probably... Uh, my first year in college is when first I really met and hung out with and socialized with other people who were gay. And that's when I finally fully embraced being gay. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. I'm but, a slow yeah. mover. It took me 30 years. <laughs> well, I was living it, yeah. you know, yeah. I well, just didn't know that's what it was called. Yeah. There, there were moments of mass confusion and then horrible guilt, but I wasn't mm-hmm. gay. <laughs> just had a oops that felt yeah. funny um so uh, the final question that i that i ask and then i want to hear a little bit more about your herbs and your wine um so the final question is what is one thing that you would share with someone who is struggling so if they if they came to you and they were struggling with the question of their own authenticity that they were thinking that they were gay and that there was something wrong with them that they got made wrong what would you say one of the, the best words of wisdom anyone ever gave me was wisdom is using what you know. So make the decision that gives you the most peace. Mm. And if living straight and being in what the church tells you to be isn't giving you peace, then it's not what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't worry all about sexuality. Focus first on your walk with God your true mm-hmm. walk with God, not the church's walk with God. And if mm-hmm. the church is, is teaching you all this rhetoric, get out of that church, get someplace mm-hmm. where you can just be, yes. go to a place that accepts gay people and just be. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel right and comfortable and good with God in a place where you're accepted for being gay, then maybe you're not, or maybe mm-hmm. you're bi. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't need a label. Yeah. Because in, yeah. The, in the end, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, should, is it fair to think that Judas went to hell? Mm-hmm. Did Judas really have a choice? That was mm-hmm. his mission in life that he was born because if he had not betrayed Christ, we wouldn't have had salvation or God would have just raised up someone else to betray Christ. But that person who betrays Christ, is it fair to think that they went to hell? What a great question. We all have our purpose. We need to walk mm-hmm. in our truth. And yeah. if you don't know what else to do, then don't do anything and do what you know. To do. And if you're not sure whether you want to date men or date women or whichever, then don't date anybody or date everybody and just let your truth present itself. Mm-hmm. But your first relationship needs to be with, with your God and with yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Any other relationships will come to light. Oh, I love we, that. We all worry way too much about everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we do. I'm sure we do. So, so tell us a little bit about your, your wine. Cause that's the way you said it, that sounded low intervention wine. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> well, um, you know, with all these big movements of everything going back to natural mm-hmm. and, and aversions to chemicals and things, you know, in wine processes, there's a, a series of things that can be done to, to sanitize the fruit and the wine and clarify the wine. And, and there's different kinds of additives that a lot, especially your professional, <clears throat> your professional wine people, um, can add to it. So your true organic, all natural wines, um, they don't use, they don't even pitch the yeast. They let the natural yeast that's already in the fruit rise up to make it ferment. Okay. Um, but that yeast, a lot of times can be really weak if it, it may not kick in at all. And, you know, I'm not going to spend hours and hours juicing apples or grapes and they have it not even kick off into fermentation. So yeah. I'm going to pitch the yeast you know, and also there are certain bacteria that can be on the fruit itself inherently, even if you wash it, mm-hmm. that, um, so at the beginning, I sanitized the must with, with Camden tablets, which is potassium metabisulfate. And that's the only place where I put those sulfates in the wine, but they dissipate, they evaporate out. And the more the wine is handled, then the more it evaporates out. But if from that point forward, I practice good sanitation, right? I can control then what bacteria are introduced and shouldn't need to sanitize the wine again all the way up the bottling. So true non-intervention natural wine, they don't pitch the yeast, they don't throw the Camden tablets and they can use, they, they don't use anything through the whole rest of the process. Whereas I will pitch yeast and I will sanitize at the beginning. And at the very end of the process, I use potassium sorbate, which is actually a natural thing. It's potassium. It's not a chemical. Potassium mm-hmm. sorbate. And what that does is stop re-fermentation from happening. So the bottles don't explode, but it's not a sulfite. Okay. So that's why I say it's low intervention. It's oh, kind okay. of like, you know, I did the thing to make a baby <laughs> and, and I, and I'm just kind of like letting it grow and do its thing, <laughs> whether it wants to wear dresses or play with trucks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, I'm going to, you know, help it buy a house. <laughs> i love that i love that yeah. oh my um, gosh you're so funny the uh the one i have right now i've got a great blend i like to do blends it's like i like muscadines for adding the sweetness but i don't want you to taste muscadine when you drink my wine uh-huh. because for freaking sh- everything's muscadine down here there's yeah. so many other options so i blend muscadine with with concords and chamberson mm-hmm. and i have a wild grape i like to use when i can get it and sometimes I throw in some blueberry. So I have this, this blend and it's really a sweet wine, a dessert wine. And then I also do a lot with apples and uh, I like to ferment with honey, not to the point that you call it mead. To be mead, it has to be like 52% honey or more. Oh my goodness. So I do, you know, like in the 40% because when you ferment with honey, it stays sweet. It doesn't get completely dry. It's kind of a phenomenal mm-hmm. thing, but you know what? Honey is like gold. I mean, when I, this batch I made two years ago, I paid $8 a quart because I bought four gallons at a time, but now you can't buy honey for less than $20 a quart. Ooh. Yeah. I sell my wine for $10 a bottle. I'd lose money on that price. Yeah. So I don't know what I'm going to do the next batch that comes up unless I find a good source for honey where I can get the cost down to $10 a quart. Yeah. But, um, anyway, so those are the wines that I make right now. And then I'll take that apple honey. I'll make like 20 gallons of the apple honey wine. And then I'll take some of it out and put it separate with a bunch of ginger root in mm-hmm. it and make a ginger variety. And then, um, I did some with persimmons, but I need to, um, yeah, it didn't come out very good. I need okay. And I, you know, so I've been experimenting with different things, but what I have right now available, if anybody's interested, I still yes. have some of the apple honey and the apple ginger and the grape to sell. Uh, okay. Wait, I can't sell it. I'm yes. You're giving a donation I'm to my cause. It. And if you so choose to um, donate some funds towards purchasing fruit and, and sugar for the next batch. Yeah. You know, we can collectively now start making it's wine a barter together. system. Right. <laughs> We're making wine together. How would they get in touch with you? 
Um, you can put the link to my Facebook in there. If anybody wants to friend me, then is it being creepy? I'll just block them. Okay. <laughs> but for the most part, I think people listening here are probably okay. And, yeah. Uh, and so then um, I wanted to tell you, because you were going to, you know, yeah. if you take some sage and, and keep some sage and some honey, and then before your podcast, about an hour or so, you take a little sage and honey and it will dry all that up. So you just like mix it together, just a little sage and honey. I got sage growing in my garden. You just keep in your cabinet. Just take like a a cup of honey and Mm -hmm. a little jar bowl and take a a couple of tablespoons of fresh sage. Yeah. If you only have dry, then it'll work. I've got fresh sage in my herb garden. There you go. See, I feel like fresh sage works, works better. But uh, you chop it up really fine and you put it in the honey. And I like to keep it someplace warm because that helps to make it keep marinating in there okay but um just you know have a few little bits of the sage in with any and a spoonful of that will dry you thank you well you are all things wise so i want to thank you dj i want to thank you for honoring us with your faith journey story and i want to thank you for the listeners for coming back each week and supporting and sharing and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts If you want to see more information and links to connect with DJ, I'm going to post her Facebook link in the show page, and you can get that at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. So if you're questioning whether you can be gay and be in relationship with God, if you are authentically gay, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with the God of your understanding. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. You can check us out at the Gay With God Facebook group, and you can also join the Gay With God community, and I will be telling you how to do that in a minute. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.